Hello. This is Nikki from Beholder to No One, and I just want to give you a little heads up of what you're about to listen to today. This episode is a prologue to our new show, The Morning Blues. This is part one of two. Next week, we will have a break. The week after will be part two, and then there will be the episode one of The Morning Blues. I hope you enjoy this episode. It is a little bit of a long one, but these are all amazing people. Please go check them all out. And I hope you enjoy the morning blues as much as we have enjoyed Clearlight. Thanks for listening. Bye. Welcome back to Beholder to No One. This is a prologue to a new show that is replacing Behold Clearlight. If you haven't listened to Behold Clearlight, you can go check that out on the link below. But this is not related whatsoever. This will be DM'd by Adam from Snyder Returns. Hello, Adam. Hello. And this prologue is what is taking us into that story. So all of these characters will not be in the actual, actual play, but we're going to have fun today playing as the characters, which are going to be joining me today is Dare from MB Dare on Twitter. Hello. Hi. Rafiki from Greater Restoration. Hello. And Amber, who's the co-owner of Geek Spectify Podcast. Hi. And we're going to be just having some fun and playing some D&D and hopefully dying in the most epic way possible. <laughs> we can but try. Yes. I will let you take it away. Welcome to Eberron, a world of magic, technology, hope, and despair. A world still reeling and finding its footing after the last war and the signing of the Treaty of Thronehold less than 10 years ago. Since then, many factions and enterprising individuals have looked to capitalize on the situation that has developed. When this goes beyond the jurisdiction of local law enforcement, it is time to put a price on it and hope that these marshals take your bounty. Aboard a repurposed Leandal airship called the Bucephalus are Badger. Would you like to introduce your character, please? Hello, I'm Badger and I am a gnome tabaxi Rogue Extraordinaire, you will not see me coming because I am sneaky as fuck. I am super little tiny orange black cat, but yeah, I'm actually playing a phantom rogue today. And I'm very, very excited for how cute and adorable this little gnome tabaxi is using the Elfin and Orc had a little baby book and they go by she, her. Alongside our gnome tabaxi rogue is Dordak. Hello, I'm Dornak. I'm a seven-foot-tall Minotaur barbarian. Uh, I like kitties and ale and violence. And yeah, it's pretty much my whole personality right there. Hello. Alongside Badger and Dordak is Fortune. Hello. My name is Fortune, short for Fortune Favors the Bold. I'm a Air Ganassi monk. They, them pronouns, of course. And I am using the Astral Self monk layout. So I get to have a bigger, just, spectrum monk helping me. <laughs> and finally, rounding out this team of professionals is Olva. Hi, yes, I'm Olva, she, her pronouns, and I am the Asimar cleric who worships fast and also really loves kitties. Kind of has a cat personality, kind of a stubborn, and uh, the best way to get her to do something or get me to do something is to tell me I can't do it. I will figure it out and find a way. Oh, same. Challenge accepted. You find yourselves aboard the Bucephalus as it heads east across the continent of Corvair. You have been tracking down a particular bounty who has eluded you up until this point, much to your own frustrations. A halfling by the name of Nesta Boromar. 
is wily and is in possession of technologies that have been removed, shall we say, from Shan without permission. It is thought that he is delivering it and passing it on to a interested party close to the Mornland, site of the morning of, at the end of the last war. As you have traced and followed his path across many different realms and districts, he had taken refuge and was moving on from a settlement just south of Vathinrond. As you pilot and move the airship into positioning in close proximity, the sheer scale of the mists that surround the moorland loom large over you. Spectral faces seem to appear and diminish. Unheard screams and tears of mist appear to emanate from faces as the large airship approaches. Aboard the airship, there is also two smaller craft, life raft almost in purpose, able to take you away from the airship's larger bulk down to terra firma, if you so wish. Is there anything you would like to do as you approach the boundary between the civilized world, should we say, and beyond the mists of the moorland? Badger is honestly fascinated and just standing at the closest part to the mist. Is that a ghost? Is that a ghost? Is that a ghost? I, I, I don't know, Badger. I mean, I can, like, pick you up and, like, try to bring you closer above it if you want. Oh, careful, careful. Don't get her too close. Please. Dory, I've done this a million times. <laughs> That's supposed to make us feel better? I think it's a ghost. I, I mean, I think so. Alright, I'm the ghost now. I mean, honestly, I'm ready. I mean, I'm too. I just need to go get, like, my butcher's bib, just, you know, for, like, agile intimidation purpose. But... Who is the leader of your group? This is sure it's not an argument. <laughs> I don't have the brains for that. Yeah, nose ghosts. <laughs> Honestly, Badger has two of you <laughs> wrapped just around her finger. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Badger's the, the, the leader. <laughs> I'll hail Lord Badger. <laughs> <laughs> and that was completely unintentional. I did not plan that ahead of time. I was just like, ooh, kitty. Love it. Kitty kit. Badger, you receive a sending into your ear, a familiar voice. Your gnomish war veteran boss, Kalidar Rin, eases, forces actually his way into your mind via spell. And what comes across in your ear, in your mind, is... pressure from certain city castlers to bring Nestor in. Frankly, I just want the reward. And then without any further amplifying information, the sending cuts off. I respond back with, sir, are, are, are you okay? No, 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 okay. You would know with frequent interactions, his health is slowly deteriorating. Uh, he's too proud to do anything about it. So that would have been normal. Hmm. Okay. Kaladar just messaged me. He just wants the reward. So, yeah, the job done. So we get to have, like, all the fun, and we just bring him the reward? Well, I'm sure we get to have part of the reward. And what we find when we don't tell him, who knows? Mm. As you're sort of having a look round each of you, the exception of those ducked below getting certain items, do perception checks for me, please. Oh, alrighty. Yeah. That's gonna go Ooh. well. I have a minus one perception. <laughs> oh, I did, all right. <laughs> I'm pretty perceptive, I think. That's still a solid 13, though. 
15. 14. 18. 18. Ooh. Nice. You spot it first with an 18, definitely spot it first before the others. About half a mile beyond the end of the bow and down on the ground, close to the, the rolling mist, you see what looks like a large dog and a small rider just nipping along just the edge. They pause for a moment and they don't seem to look in your general direction, but they do seem to scan the surroundings. They slip into the mist about half a mile further down from your location. Anyone else see that? See what? what? Of course. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> I totally saw it. Just point it out. Did anyone else see the dog? There's a puppy. Okay, so you definitely didn't see it. Oh. Gross it. Hmm. This looks a little weird. We might want to keep an extra eye or two out. Thankfully, I got two eyes. We're good. Do we want to take one of the boats down? Or should we just keep going? Do they look suspicious? Dogs always look suspicious. And do me a nature check. Sure. Boy. Good point, Badger. <laughs> That's an eight. Are you also doing nature over? Can I ask the question? Oh, yeah, I can do that. Mm, 14. With an eight, it just looked like a hound. With a 14, it did not look like any dog or breed of dog you are familiar with. It was not like this halfling was riding a dire wolf or a wolf or anything like this. This looked very much different, should we say, as it slipped into the mist. A new species of abomination. Hmm. Or maybe it's just like one of those like fancy dog breed that rich people get. <laughs> Abominations, yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm not familiar with a species of dogs. So do we go down or do we go through? You're the leader. Yeah, Badger, what do you think? Well, we're here to find what's-his-butt, Nestor. And we saw him forward, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess we should ignore that and go forward. Ignore the dog. Good idea. I don't know. I just... I mean, we could go down and I could sneak in and find out what's going on. But... Okay, you're, you're the boss. I mean, I, you know, I'm all up for it. Whatever you say goes. Plus, it's a puppy. It's a puppy, so you know, it's always fun. <laughs> the problem is, Nikki doesn't know if this is a distraction or if this is like plot hook. <laughs> you saw a a small humanoid on this strange-looking dog. Oh. I will mention this is a small humanoid now. Okay. Well then, fine. Look, let's go down and investigate. I'll sneak in. Okay. We'll figure out if it's anything, and if it's not, then we'll just come back, and nobody's the wiser. Okay. To the lifeboats. I'm sure we can give them better names than that, but that's effectively their sort of size in comparison to, to the Bucephalus. I hope because those lifeboats or whatever boats are. They're effectively repurposed because everything on this airship is repurposed. So the sky coaches in Shan and a few of the other places are big enough to accommodate 20 or so people. They're a sizable shuttle bus, effectively. Okay, I'm asking because I'm a big guy. There's plenty of room, I'm sure. Look at all the leg room. <laughs> yeah, I don't take up much space. All right, who is piloting this craft? Not it. I. Will this require some sort of skill? It could require, if you have proficiency with land vehicles, or <laughs> technically air vehicles, but if you have any vehicle proficiencies, that would help. Oh, boy. Or we can do use intelligence. Okay. You don't want to let me do that. <laughs> well, I have a plus four to intelligence. Oh, wow, you're smarter than I am, too. Yeah, that's my dump stat. <laughs> <laughs> Badger, you're also our pilot. <laughs> oh, well, fun. I crawl into the pilot seat. All right. 
Actually, I flip into the pilot's seat because I'm awesome. Because <laughs> you're awesome. All right, so you climb to the pilot's seat. Everybody gets aboard, and you give me a, a, just a straight intelligence check to navigate the craft. First off the deck of the main airship, the Bicephalus, and then down close to the, the location you're aiming for. It's not great. A 12 for the first one. Okay. And a 7 for the second one. So it's a bumpy ride. The updrafts and the torrent of air coming off the mist as it roils. Every sort of mystical or misty Borman face seems to disrupt the airflow around, so you're just struggling to keep it, and almost like turbulence, it kind of drops suddenly in a few places as you're moving around. Are you going all the way down to the ground, or are you just staying above the ground to a certain extent? All the way down to the ground, just far enough away behind something that could, we could hide it behind. All right. This sort of section's pretty open. Having moved away from the main settlement of Batharond, there's not much else. It was either flattened during the war, or it was never built to accommodate people in the first place. There are some trees you could potentially put it close to, but they're not going to give you amazing cover if that's kind of what you're aiming for. That was, but that's fine. So as you are badly, should we say, with a seven, navigating the craft down, it's being buffeted by the wind, rolling this mist into various shapes. A few of them catch you off guard and you rock the stick of this smaller craft as you're making your way down. Everybody do perception checks for me while Badger is busy navigating. So the other three do perception checks for me. Oh, a big old 11. 11 here as well. 19. Wow. Nice. I've just been rolling, but I have only ever plus four. Okay. While Badger is piloting, two of you are struggling to keep your lunch down and keep a track of the horizon in that respect. Fortune, you hear something else past all the wind and the turbulent air. It almost sounds like thunder coming from within the mist. Quite regular, then stops, and then another regular few bursts of this deep, booming sound. And to your ear, it sounds like it's getting closer. Anyone else hear that? I'm holding on to, like, a part of the ship, shuttle bus ship, and go, what? Hear what? Yeah, sure, I heard that. I'm hearing thunder from inside the clouds. It sounds like it's getting closer. Maybe we should use extra caution. All right, so should I just, like, put, like, rubber boots to make sure I don't get electrocuted? Sure, that might help. Maybe. And I just look at my ooze. <laughs> As you are inspecting your, your feet, your hooves, and Fortune, you're pointing this out to the others with the exception of, of Badger, who's currently busy. The faces, again, form, appear to give this soundless scream and fold in on themselves. But something else, more angular, catches your eye. It's almost halfway up this column of mist, this wall of mist that you're just moving close to. It seems to cut through and form a geometric shape just momentarily before, again, it's lost within the roiling and the rippling of the mist. Hmm. I'm seeing faces. I I think I am going to try to just speak primordial to the mist, and maybe it will understand, hopefully. All right. What are you going to say in primordial? You don't have to do the primordial. I'm just interested as to what you would call out to the mist. We're just passing through. Uh, are we trespassing here? All you hear for a moment is is airflow as the craft it continues to move under Badger's control. The mist whips and whirls, and it forms this... You've seen these faces form. They're forming all over these strange parts of heads and faces. And one forms a ginormous face and mouth. And as it appears to open its mouth to scream, 
a silent scream. There's light that appears in the mouth, and following the light out comes this metal arm racing towards the skycraft you guys are in. Badger, I'd like you to do a... What's the best role for this? Intelligence or dexterity saving throw, please. May I use the help action? Okay. You may. Both are pretty good. Is this magic by chance? It is not. Okay, so dex it is. 24. All right. You are swift with the controls. Probably the first time you've been swift with the controls thus far. It's not my fault. There's ghosts everywhere. (laughs) And reaching out to you and... Even with your immense control, digging into the side of this sky carriage, this sky coach, tearing in, fingers lock. And the only thing that hasn't thrown you guys off is Badger's control to keep you in place. And just for a moment, you can hear the wood and the metal construction of the skycraft you're on beginning to crack and be drawn into the mist under the power of this hydraulic or pneumatic hand. What the fuck was that? I don't know. It seems to have like holding us. Like, is there is there a way for us to potentially get on the roof of the aircraft? You can certainly try. Absolutely, yeah. We are being slowly drawn in. It's not fast. It's not like whipping you backwards. It is literally dragging you. And as you're moving, and the mist is beginning to shroud the armors, you're getting closer in proximity to the mist itself. You have time to do something. Do you want me to like to go like to break boss? Because I can. I just need you to hold the rope against my around my waist and make sure I don't fall. I mean. <sighs> Sounds like a plan. I mean, do you think you... How big is this arm? I mean, it's holding our ship. <sighs> it's a big arm. Yeah. And I'm just starting to, like, tie a rope against my waist. <laughs> You're just going to do it. Doubt anybody will be able to, like, hold over 250 pounds of beef here. I but... can't. <laughs> I sure can try. I mean... Well, just make sure you tie the other end to the right thing. Otherwise, you know, I might pull you out with me. And, I mean, none of us are parachute. Quick question. Yes. Would I have any soul trinkets currently on my person since we're level 16? I'm going to say yes. Okay. Do you want me to roll to see how many? Roll a d4? Because I can have up to five. Say three. We'll compromise. Three? Is there a follow-up to that point? Well, I could use it if we get in danger Hmm. to do damage to something. So, But I wouldn't want to give other people a chance. I just wanted to know if I had them before it became useful. Okay, so the Minotaur's tying a rope around themselves that probably no one is going to be able to hold on to. Badger, you were in control of the, the Sky Coach, which is being now dragged beyond your control into the mist as the arm now vanishes back to its point of origin. What are the other two doing? Fortune and Olver. I am... I'm trying to figure out... Well, I'm looking through my spells, to be quite honest. That's fine. So yeah, I guess you just see Olva kind of like whipping their head back and forth between what they should do. Fortune, what should they do? Um, I think I'm looking to see if there's any sort of things we can use to help cushion us for what I assume is going to be a bad landing. I see. As you two are deliberating, the arm up to the the wrist and the knuckles is now dragging the sky coach into the mist the mist created faces are rippling and almost forming over the arm it's almost like you're being eaten by a a misted mouth as the hand is drawing the entire sky coach into this natural phenomenon or are you holding the other end of the rope? Because if I fall, I will go splat on the ground. It's not good. I grab the rope. I'll do this. I double it around my, my arms and I 
<laughs> brace myself against a chair. Alright, well, hold on to your button. I'm gonna go try to get us free. Because I don't like when people like, don't ask, like, can I hold you? I don't like it. And I'm just gonna go out, open, like, the latch or something, and go after a giant robot hand or something. Alright. You can get onto the hand, it's easily big enough to accommodate even someone of your frame. It is wide, it is long. Now you're in closer proximity to it, getting onto it, you can hear the hydraulic and pneumatic movements as it adjusts and tweaks. You can hear servos moving as it continues this steady retraction back to point of origin as the fingers and now you become enveloped in the mist. Tied on or otherwise, you're you're entering and uh, disappear. Dordak, to those still on the craft, effectively gets enveloped by the mist and a similar fate is about to inflict upon you as well. All right then. Well, I'm going to, you know, get all pumped up <sighs> and rage a little bit, you know, let a little bit of anger out, take my axe and just go at it against like those hydraulic and... All right. Roll to hit. So I'm going to roll on, I'm assuming just like just a regular like full round of attack. Yeah. So it's a 21 and a 20 to hit. Actually, no, sorry, because it did not add my the ability of that weapon. So it's a 22 and a 23. 22 misses, 23 hits. All right. Ooh, look at that. Max damage on that. So so it's a 12 on the, on the die plus my strength, okay. so it's 5 plus the blood axe, which I had to plus 2 to that damage. That's 19. At 16, it's plus 4. Plus 4, there you go. 16, 21, 23 damage, yeah, on that one hit. Nice. And I'm assuming, you know, it's not something that can suffer necrotic damage because it is a construct, so it's good. It is a construct, but it's only immune if the attack is non-magical, so it would take necrotic damage. Oh, well, look at that. Uh, next for point of necrotic damage. So, 24. All right. Uh, so, as you swing down and bounce off this toughened armor plating for the first time, finding a chink in the armor a second time, sort of working in maybe one of the joints uh, and digging in, the whole arm begins to shake and retract a little bit quicker. You are now all enveloped in the mist, and I'd like you all to roll initiative, please. All right. Best of a giant robot. I'm happy. Oh. I'm happy with my decision. <laughs> I rolled a one naturally, but plus three, four. So initiative, it is a big eighteen for me. Nineteen. Nineteen. Twenty-one. Twenty-one. I think every roll I've done has been big so far. This is gonna backfire so badly. <laughs> And Oliver? Uh, it was a four total. Nice. Very, very slow. <laughs> All right. Top of the round. Fortune. Your compatriot Dordak has disappeared into the mist. Well, has been drawn and disappeared into the mist. You are now enveloped by the mist and can no longer see his look. You can find him because there's an arm pulling the whole thing with you, but you can no longer see your compatriot. Uh, can I see my party members to left and right of me? Only because they are that close to you. Hmm. All right, I'm guessing I'm going to climb out there. All right, as the thing starts to shake, do me a acrobatics. Alrighty, that's a nat 20, so that's 30 total. 
I hate nice. this. I am afraid. I'm afraid of these rolls. <laughs> nice. You are nimbly able to locate the most stable point of the construct that is drawing the entire sky coach. The mist, while buffeting all around you and narrowing your sight greatly, you're able to pick a spot and balance beam your way along without too many issues as the arm jolts up and down. You're able to compensate and so-called the movement up. While I'm out there, I'm going to probably, if there's like a 10 feet buffer between me and Dordak, I'm going to probably summon my astral self arms. Well, all of my astral self parts. What do they look like? I thought this would be fun because I'm an Arganasi. I think they're going to look like a djinn. Oh. So I just, I have a, a larger spectral, like, djinn just sort of, like, surrounding me. I'm not at the full advanced astral self, but I do have the body, the visage, and the arms. So I'm going to spend all of the key points I need for those. Mm -hmm. That's a bonus action. Then I'm just going to start trying to find a point that I could hit it to make it a drop with my action. All right. You can attempt to make it try and drop you. There is the wrist as you maneuvered your way past the fingers dug into the sky coach's hull. Drop down the finger onto what would be the back of the hand, and there is a wrist joint there latched in place. Gotcha. I did have one question as well. Of course. So when I summon it, any creature within 10 feet of me must succeed on a deck save or take some force damage. Does this big arm count? Yes, it does. Alrighty. I'd love to see it try to make a deck save. It can certainly try. Uh, I got a six, so I think that's a fail. Alrighty. Well, so, so far, it's already taken nine force damage before I've even done an actual attack. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Alrighty. Perfect. So, I think at that point, I'm going to just do basic attacks with the arms. Alright. That is a 16 and a 22 to hit. You bounce off the hard armor the linkages look weak but you're unable to find with your astral arms the same impact maybe you need to channel that key a little bit more to really breach the defenses of this monstrosity this construct that you are now stood upon that 22 wasn't enough oh no nope. oh no okay i think that's the end of my turn then all right badger you've seen a minotaur climb out into the arm disappearing with a rope around it you're a good colleague over is bound to the other end and your nimble monk has disappeared off into the mist your view of them now heavily is obscured as well you can see just one other party member from where you are for 10 feet around me just so you're aware if that comes into play but i'm going to go well i guess i don't need to steer this thing and i'm going to climb up onto the hand as well okay and i'm just going to try to Stab it? Since I have a friend within five feet, I get sneak attack if I hit? You do. Fantastic. Oh, hey, that's a 24. 24 hits. Oh, this is a lot of dice. Okay. Don't worry, I'm sure it would soak up at least one of these. So I don't think this will matter, but... Oh, no, that's false. Where did it go? I lost the d4. That's going to suck later. Don't stand on it. So it takes a whole seven piercing... And then it takes... Is that a normal dagger? No. Okay, just checking. It's a my dagger of venom. Okay. If it can take poison damage, it needs to make a DC 15 constitution save or take 11 poison damage. As the poison drops in off your blade, it seems to flow in with all the rest of the fluid keeping this thing moving and seems to take no notice. 
That's fair. It's gonna take... I'm rolling this on D&D Beyond. 33 sneak attack damage. Are you doing anything else? Bonus action hide? <laughs> uh, where would you like to hide? You are surrounded by mist. You have people in front of you, but no clear, obvious place to hide there or back to the, what's left of the sky coach. I'm going to find Olva and go next to her. All right, back on the sky coach. Are you doing anything else? Uh, roll a, uh, stealth. Since you're hiding. 26. Oh, wait, no, I have advantage. <laughs> 26. 26, all right. So, over, you've seen Badger almost spring over, disappear, just veiled, almost outlined by the mist. You see the small arm move, plunge dagger, and come vaulting back onto the sky coach, very close to you as you hold this rope for Dordak. It is your turn. All right, so. I'm gonna be pissed off because you know it's not letting go. So I'm gonna go, for fuck's sake, would you, you Lord, let go? And I'm gonna, you know, recklessly attack twice. Thank fuck I recklessly attacked us. First one was not one, but second one, yeah, it's not gonna hit. Natural seven. Alright. 23 hit. That hits, right? 23 All right. hits. Alright. 12, 17. 17 slashing damage. I'm not sure if that impacts anything, but technically with one of my attempts, it's movement. Um, one of my feet slasher, it's movement is reduced by 10 feet, but it's probably not going to change anything. And one necrotic damage. Okay. And I'm going to use my bonus action to hammering horns. So I'm going to just use my big horns to hit it with... Immediately after you hit a creature with a melee attack, on your turn you can use bonus action to attempt to shove the target with my horns. I mean, it, it is obviously one more size larger than me, but I will still try. Okay. Uh, so essentially I'm just ramming it. It's not going to do anything because it doesn't need more than one size above me. Yeah, I think it's two, two or three sizes above you. But... Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it's for flavor here. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to ram it, but that's it. I'm just going to turn to, like, fortune. This is fun, right? And you know, just keep going at it. <laughs> very well, my friend. It's very fun. But that's my turn. All right. With you attempting to ram your horns and all this activity around you, a few things happen you don't see. Uh, over. You have seen your gnome, gnome tabaxi. Tabaxi gnome, gnome tabaxi. Does it matter which way they're around? No. Excellent. You, you've seen badger disappear and return from the mist. You still have rope tied around you in your arms as you have braced yourself in what's left of this sky coach, having been now forcibly dragged as a complete unit into the mist. The faces forming and fading all around you. Okay, yeah. So I see when Badger leaves that first time, Olva freaks out, like heart drop into stomach. Oh my God, no one's flying this plane. Then when Badger flips back in. Okay, first off, Badger, you just, okay. All right, it's fine, it's fine. It's fine. What's out there? A giant ant. Okay. We can't see anything else beyond that. Okay. Out of character, you we know that it can't be hurt magically? In world, you would be well aware of certain warforged. Okay. Innate abilities. Okay. I would like to try to do command. Would that potentially work casting a spell? Like maybe it would stop it somehow? You can certainly try. Okay. So... Olva tightens the rope around her forearms again, holding on. And then just, uh, you see like a divine-ish kind of aura starting light glow off of her. And she will want to say stop, but is casting command, which is a wisdom saving throw. Is that a charmed effect? 
It's enchantment. 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 Wisdom save. And my spell DC is 17. Okay. Ooh, I only got a 9. Wow. Which is impressive given its modifier. So, it, yeah. Halt. As this command, your command, rings out, all of you feel the arm... It's on its turn, but we'll say it now. The arm begin to slow and begin to freeze and almost shudder as it is trying to disobey initially the command. Are you doing anything else? If it stopped moving, no, I'm, I'm like, yes, this is great. Yeah, no. All right. From the end of this arm, Dordak and Fortune hear a second smaller set of footsteps moving in response to this beginning of the halted movement of the arm because your vision is obscured by the thickness of this twisted mist, this natural phenomenon, or unnatural, technically. You don't see what is creating this second set of almost hurried steps, but there is something beyond the shoulder, as it were, as the arm begins to slow and stutter. Since it is this large mechanical construct's arm turn over your command takes full effect and now held somewhere possibly in the middle distance of the mist all around you howling roiling moving shifting the arm stops and locks into position but you can hear servos and mechanisms attempting to pull and break that command but since you can't do anything else we are at the top of the round fortune the arm has stopped beneath you shuddering still Olver's words ring in your ears though not for you to respond to what are you doing next does it have a death grip on the ship yes because the command was not to drop the command was to halt so it is still punctured into the side of the sky coach you are now just suspended you're unsure how high off the ground at this point but all around you the mist obscures your view i am so so worried about what i'm thinking about i want to <laughs> jump because i know i'm a monk but I know that's not a smart thing to do. I know I could eat a lot of damage if I jumped. Or could you? I'd be able to reduce 80 fall damage, which is strong, but I don't know how high up we are. You know what, actually? That gives me a fun idea. I'm going to see if I can just, if I have like a day of rations or something and just drop that and see if I can hear it hit the ground. Okay. And estimate a distance. Do me a perception check. 30-20. 20 All right. You rifle through your gear, lean off to the left or the right-hand side. I'll let you specify if you wish. And release these rations. And you hear them tumble as they break. And it's a, a good couple of seconds before, especially with that perception roll, you hear that telltale. You reckon you are probably... I'm, I'm comparing to the, the, the models you'll see in a minute for size. You're about 45 feet up. I could take that. I could take that fall. That's an easy fall for me. The decision is yours. The rations will say is a free interaction with an object. Okay, yeah. So I'm going to... Can I see Badger at all? Just about, yes. I will just... I, I have another fun... Ah, Word of the Spirit, which I can speak direct my words to a creature of my choice that I can see within 60 feet of me, so only they can hear me. And I'll just say that to Badger that seems like 45 foot drop. I can do that easy. I'll see you down there. And I just hop down. Well, all right. So as you step off and you drop out of line of sight from Badger Dordek, um, potentially over you might see a shadow drop and you become enveloped. We will see how well you land next round, if you are content with that. Yep. 
All right. Badger, you've been given this uh, communication. You've watched a perfectly good ration get tossed off the side of this arm for scientific purposes. And your Janassi friend effectively take a leap of faith disappearing into the into the mist. What are you doing? Well, fuck. Fortune jumped off. 45 feet down. Should, should we go after him or should we keep trying to attack the thing or? I think we should just go ahead and drop down. If we get hurt, I'll, I'll heal us up as we go. Okay. I'm going to run up and attack one more time and tell Dordak and then I'll jump over. Am I still hiding? You were at the time. Fantastic. I'm going to attack with advantage. <laughs> 23. A 23 just hits. Just hits. I know, I know. <laughs> A whopping 7 damage because he's rolling freaking ones on that. And sneak attack is 26 damage. Beautiful. As I go, Dordak, we're, we're going down the ground. Okay. And I'm just, I'm also probably giving a few more swings, so. All right. And then I will use. We're in dim light, right? Effectively. Oh, shit. That's an action to do. Mm, I, I know what you're thinking. Okay. I'm jumping down, and then I'm going to try, because I'm assuming I'm going to fall 30 feet in a round. I'm going to try to, as an action on my next turn, turn into a bat. <laughs> you're probably so light you'll be held aloft by air currents, but we'll not go into the, the t- technical. So, Geronimo! And I jump off. All right. Doing a cool flip. Cool flip. Nice. So, as you do your cool flip off, disappearing into the mist... Hopefully not landing on your Janassi beneath you. Dirty 20 for the cool flip, just so we know how cool it was. For performance, beautiful. Is it a backwards flip, or do you just sort of triple Salco somersault? Triple flip. Triple flip. Nice. Dordak, you are being very much left behind at this point. Two of your colleagues have stepped off. One is thinly outlined towards the, the sky coach at this point. You are still tethered by rope. Please keep that in mind before you jump. Yes, please. Oh, I know. <laughs> but Dordak... It's fine. It's fine if Dordak doesn't know. <laughs> but it is you, Dordak. All right. Well, I mean, the boss did tell me, you know, that, you know, we have to go down. So I'm going to, you know, take two more swing at this guy. Because, you know, I'm going to teach him who's boss here. I'm going to do it reckless. Nope, this one's not going to hit. Fuck. Okay, that should hit. Second swing is 25 hit. 25 does hit. That is good. 13 slashing damage and 6 necrotic. Happy with that? I'm just gonna, you know, turn to like the hole where I'm, I know where all is. Okay, apparently the boss said we're going down. And I'm just gonna cannonball them. Cannonball! <laughs> and yeah, I don't know if I'll tight all those holding. But that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be fun. She's very much tethered. So you cannonball off. A couple of things happen beyond the mist. Over you hear a strange kind of whipping sound as as rope begins to tense close, very close to you. And that is when I realize, oh, okay, he's jumping. <laughs> And I go run to the side where Badger has been jumping in and out, and I'm gonna throw myself off too and go, Catch me, Dordak! 
as you descend, hopefully not to be snapped in half as the rope pulls tight or spread across. Ed, we will get to that in a minute. The command, is that a single round or is that a multiple round effect? It is one round. That's good to know. Possibly good that you jumped when you did. Mm-hmm. All right. Like your choice. <laughs> Fair. Didn't have much of a choice. You could have jumped the other. No, we're not going to technicalities. Hello. Sorry for the interruption here, but I wanted to give you a advertisement for one of our friends in the tabletop community. Please give it a listen and go check them out. Ready for a rules light, narrative, failing forward, collaborative storytelling, tabletop role playing game? Unsure of where to start? Powered by the Players is an actual play podcast featuring mini campaigns and one shots of all your favorite Powered by the Apocalypse games. Each campaign or one shot will be a different PBTA game with a rotating cast of diverse players. We've got Masks, a teenage superhero drama, Bluebeard's Bride, a feminist horror retelling, Monster of the Week, a supernatural mystery. Escape from Dino Island, a Jurassic Park-inspired adventure. Crossroads Carnival, a Depression-era sideshow noir. The next game we play could be yours. So join Morgan, Kristen, and Diana, and let's power up. Follow us on Twitter at PBTPlayers. Subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. Now, back to the show. Beyond the mist, at the end of this arm, there is more movement over you. You hear just the start of it, and then what you hear next is the arm begin to crack the wood of the sky coach and retract at twice the speed it had before. And over the, your head, effectively, the breeze that cuts as the sky coach is retracted back by this huge arm that, that drags it through, splitting the mist almost. There's, you almost catch a glimmer of daylight just for a moment as it then filled back in by the mist as this sky coach is ripped backwards through the sky and you can hear the wood being cracked and snapped. And as you guys are falling, that sound of thunder resonates out again. But now you're in the mist and you can hear it. That isn't thunder as the sound is loud but begins to move backwards away from your current position. If you were touching it, the floor would be vibrating. So, top of the round. Fortune favors the brave. Let's do a... Since you are a monk and you chose to jump, let's do an acrobatics check. Gotcha. Nothing at 20. I promise. I promise. I hate this. That, that's a nat 20, so that's a 30. I promise I'm not cooking the books. Hey, I'm all good with that. I'll tell you what, what's it look like when you land? Does your astral form protect you as you land, or is it all you and just a flourish of astral self? I think it's superhero landing, but with the extra astral arms. So, yeah, it's three arms are like punching the ground as I like land. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So as you form into this with your, your astral self dropping, carving through the mist almost and impacting into the ground. In amongst the, the heavy impacts that you sense from what is left from this large construct's movements, you create your own shockwave in and around you, almost clearing a pocket of air as the mist sort of splits in your position. What are you doing next? Probably waiting for the team, honestly. I might keep a lookout just in case anyone needs a quick catch. Yeah, I might just be ready to catch a person, honestly, with the arms. 
Are you effectively readying an action? Yep. Okay. Let's see how this pans out then. So you have readied your action in case one of your colleagues desperately needs you to dart across and make the catch, make an interception as it were. First falling from the sky, electing to jump. So an acrobatics check from uh, you, please, Badger. I did a dirty 20. Oh, nice. What's it look like when you land? How do you control your descent from such a height? As an action, I pull my cloak out and flap it up, and then I turn into a bat. And then I just slide and glide right onto Fortune's shoulder for a second. And then I flutter off and turn back into me. Nice. Yeah, so as you drop, there is that moment where the cape and, and you are going through that transformation where you look like someone else in a dark cape with pointy ears falling rapidly from from height catching the breeze as the full transformation takes place and you're able to catch on the wing and locate your colleague are you doing anything else since you've you've done movement effectively an action and movement can you do anything else in this form i turn back into myself is that a bonus action it doesn't specify but i don't really have any bonus actions so i will hide so you go through this transformation land as you have stated on fortune's shoulder you then turn back into your full badger form i jumped down before i turned back into <laughs> to badger I'd like, I'd like to check and then i hide probably under fortune roll stealth for me just to keep up with the mechanic 25 because that's the lowest i can roll you are a shadow in his shadow embroiled by mist gotta love reliable talent Oh, yes. Dordak, you bombed your way off. You have an acrobatics check. Unless you have a counter-argument. No. I mean, I'm just going to bomb that. It's not 20, so that's good. So it's total of 22. All right. Describe how it looks, how you land to save yourself from horrific full damage. Well, I'm gonna, you know, notice that, oh, wait, I uh, was at the end of that rope. So, if you're okay with that, I would like to tug on the rope just to bring Alva, like, right up to me. And just, like, essentially make a big muscle cushion, so I will take most of the impact. Okay, I love it. just, you know, land as well as I can on the floor, just, like, oof down on the ground. That's probably gonna be bad for my knees, but that's cool. Right, there'll be other things about for your knees in a minute. All right, are you doing anything else? So you have tugged the rope in midair, dragging Olva. Unfortunately, yep. you are, you're just party to this, Olva. It's so- fine. Olva's <laughs> eyes are closed with her hands across her chest as so she just knows that Dordak is going to catch her. Sorry to drag you into this. <laughs> you pull the rope and you're able to sort of bring Olva towards you. We'll resolve Olva's landing, inverted commas, in a moment. Impacting the ground hard but stabilized again the ground cracks underneath you gives enough to allow to soak up a lot of the impact initially are you doing anything else i'm just gonna put her on the ground and look out for like big thing let's see how well she lands with you first and over please roll an acrobatics check with advantage okay okay the first one was nine and the second one was eight, so nine. All right, so you will take effectively the brunt of the impact where Dordak has landed and pulled you in. Your momentum sort of carries you into his muscular frame. So you will get a little bit of damage from a slightly uncontrolled descent, shall we say. 
10 points of full damage, which I'm guessing is bludgeoning. 10, okay. So you impact Dordak, taking some damage, but you are at least down on the ground. Are you doing anything while you begin to recover from this? Yeah. Is is everyone else okay? Are, is, is everyone else okay? I'm good. I think you're the only one who really got messed up by that fall, I'll be honest. Okay, well that's, that's just fine. How are you feeling? Um, not too, not too terrible. Not too great either. I'll be okay. And then out of character, I'm at 73 HP. Delicate and squishy. Compared to some of your party, I should say. That's very low. I'm, I'm like out of character. I'm a big 213. Wow. Oh, wow. That's what I get for being squishy caster. Mm. Pun intended, I'm a big beefy boy. <laughs> All right. Are you doing anything else? Over. If we have time, I mean, no, You're, I'll, you I'll wait. always have time. Always have time. I think I can probably heal myself, but I don't think I'm going to worry about it right now. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. The four of you are in relatively close proximity to each other. Beyond you moving away from you, though still dragging the silhouette of the sky coach above you, almost behind it is this hulking colossi form that doesn't intentionally stamp into the ground, but it is dragging the sky coach clear of the mist as it moves away and begins to be enveloped. Doesn't do anything else at the moment. Uh, so we are back at the top of the round. Fortune, your group have all landed. Your route back to your airship now taken from you at this point in time. You are in the middle of the mist, on terra firma at least. What are you doing next? might try to talk to the mist one more time. I might feel like I can get through to them. And what would you say? Yeah, I think I take a deep breath and I'm like, please grant us passage out of here and guide our way. The mist doesn't respond in in any tangible sense. It continues to whip and, and wheel. And the sense you get, now you're addressing it directly from within it is this sort of over-sensing feeling of despair and, and stress that it starts to sort of press down on you emotionally as much as anything else. And we help you, and we free you. It seems to offer no no response. I know it's a little late to say this, but I have a really bad feeling about this place. <laughs> <laughs> Could have said that on the boat. As you say that, you hear a lone dog barking somewhere towards where the construct had wandered off. I hate dogs. I think I alert like everyone and say, "Do we wanna? Do we wanna walk at, walk that way?" Yeah, let me sneak ahead. Are you ending your turn, Fortune? All right. Technically, we are out of initiative for the moment. Badger, if you want to sneak ahead, I need from you first a survival check, please. Why does it gotta be survival? Why can't it be investigation? because the book has this <laughs> written into it. But I'm so bad at surviving. <laughs> Nine. Nine. As you begin to stealth off into the, the general direction, this sense of, of unease takes over you. You look to check your step, and as you raise your head back up, you can't see your friends anymore. You, you've moved beyond their initial line of sight. You're unsure which way the construct has gone. The sound of this dog that was mentioned by Fortune doesn't resonate in your ears to give you a, a marker. You are alone, stranded, lost. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't like that. I'm just going to stay still and go, guys! Where'd you... Cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> yeah, uh, what I've always told you, when you get lost, cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> I, I, I think there's birds around here. <laughs> Do perception checks for me while you listen. Uh, so, obviously, Badger, you made the call, so your perception isn't required in this instance. 11. Fortune of and Dordek. 11, okay. My perception is shit. Oh, boy. Uh, 10. Oh, no. Okay. I promise. One more time, another nat 20. This is Fortune. Naming myself Fortune was really me calling that's, my shot, I guess. That's that's awesome. Uh, absolutely. So, over and Dordak, you are still dealing with the fact that you've collided one into the ground and two into each other. Over your, your mild injuries have, have distracted you slightly, and with Badger slipping off into the mist, confident in their own abilities, you aren't aware of them trying to raise the alarm in that respect. Fortune's stepped apart, enjoying your superhero landing for the moment, is just above the whisper of the mist. Your call for a response is, is that of, of Badger, almost, looking for help. You're able to zero in in a an approximate direction, their location. I think I snap to it immediately, and I just say, Badger needs us. Follow me. Okay. Yep. Uh, All I'm right. Just, I'm just going to leave the road tied around you and just, like, pull it a bit closer. Well, you know, that way you and I cannot get lost, right? And for the record, we did not lose that fight. It was a tactical retreat, if anybody asked. Tactical retreat, yes, of course. Fortune, do me a survival check with advantage. Alrighty. Let me check my survival. Alright, I'm decently wise. Let's hope. This dice is cursed. It's magical. That's a 23. Wow, good effort. Able to pick out on Badger's dulcet tones? Please for... I won't say please, that's a little unfair. Request, maybe, for assistance. You're able to zero in, removing distractions. Your colleagues, Dordak and Oliver, behind are tethered and, and in close proximity. You're able to sort of put that out of your mind for a moment and guide them towards Badger's location. Badger, as you get turned around and, and unsure of your surroundings, shapes seem to form humanoid in outline form through the mist as they move into your general direction. As they become within 10 feet of me, I will recognize who they are, but until then, I will be on the defense. <laughs> Moving into clear eyeline, the four of you are able to regroup. Oh, thank goodness. Fortune, with your survival being so high, you're able to sort of track beyond where Badger is and, and point the group in the the correct direction to take you towards where the Colossi was heading and clear of, of this depth of mist. I think I may have figured out the way to keep moving. Well, don't do it alone because it's freaking terrifying when the mist is just like all around you and you lose where you are. You don't do like we it. Wanna tie rope around everyone? Yeah, we should all be or, tied together. I'd say on the wrist, can't slow us down too much. We can cut it loose if we need to immediately. Alright. I'm not gonna make you roll for nuts. I'll just <laughs> I could, but I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna leave the rope around my waist because it's hard to slow me down regardless. I could probably drag the whole party behind me if you did you did. <laughs> uh, uh I'll lead the way then. Alright. As you lead the way, Fortune, and the mist begins to become clearer, you almost sort of see a like a veil 
of mist that separates the depth of twisting particles and air currents that have encapsulated and confused you up until this point appears to have a, a natural exit and beyond you can see just the beginnings of an open expanse but there's some relief in the terrain there's rocks and other differences in shapes and one particularly large shadow for want of a better description outline beyond is this large one-armed form that is moving away from your current location i like relay all of that to the party what do you guys make of this this feels i don't know if we walked into something bad or what's going on honestly i have no clue. usually it's kind of straight to the point grab a bounty go home I, I don't know why a Bormar would be around here, but that contraption looks kind of like his, I guess. Because he has that weird technology shit, right? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, usually it's, you know, it's pretty important, you know, we go where we need to go, like, both tells, okay, we go there. You know, we say, hey, you know, come with us, or we apply axe to the face. But that was, like, weird machine. I don't like this. So, but, you know, it seems to be the person we're looking for, right, boss? Hopefully. Is it like some sort of, like, guardian? Maybe if we follow it, we could find what we're supposed to be looking for? I mean, I'm just at I'm at the same amount of loss as everyone else, so... Shooting in the, shooting in the mist, I guess. I don't know. Either way, we could just stay here. It's like middle fucking nowhere, and we don't lost like a little machine. And I'm pretty sure nobody on the ship knows that we're out. Did anybody tell anybody on the ship that we were out? You're the, you're the only crew. The only other thing on that airship, your main airship, is effectively a ship's computer. It's a professor orb that you would know that can pilot the, air, the airship when you are absent using Mage Hand to, to steer. I left a note on the professor orb, just in case. Okay, because it's polite, you know. I, you know, I don't want it to be angry at us. It, it doesn't have... Okay, yeah. It won't be angry at us. As you... Do you continue to just push forward a little bit more? Fortune as you lead the group? I think I do. I think I move a bit more cautiously, and but yes. Stealthily or just cautiously? I think stealthily, actually. Like, I, I think Fortune is extremely worried about all of this. All right. Roll stealth, each of you, please. If you are moving with oh. Fortune. Sure. Oh. I mean, we're all tied up, right? Yes, yeah. technically you're all tied together. Oh, that's actually pretty good. Ooh. Because, you know, the seven-foot-tall creature will have, like, a 20... Oh, wow. Uh, nice. Actually, over 20. 23 on stealth. I have a plus seven on stealth. I have a 13. 14. 30. Unsurprisingly... The rogue got the highest. Surprisingly, the Minotaur got the second highest. But anyway, as you are all moving quietly, some more quietly than others, maybe something is, is sort of distracting you, Fortune, and you over to stop you being as delicately placed as the, the more nimble rogue and the inexplicably quiet Minotaur. Moving away from you as you begin to break the line. And Badger being the quietest, you can see the where the, the line of the mist is identified by the white stones. This humongous warforged construction colossi, single-armed, 
you can see the guy coach that was clamped onto the end of the arm has been effectively discarded as it has come into this this clearer environment and standing just upon the top the shoulder plate of this is a another mechanical looking humanoid form across the way past the colossi's legs and feet you see a halfling this strange looking dog type creature and two other warforge type humanoids i think we found a target target acquired what do you want to do boss well i don't know what that dog thing is but we should probably kill it <laughs> was the bounty for him to be dead or alive it was alive for question ah interesting makes things a little bit more challenging it wouldn't be a challenge if you could just one-shot it from the other side of the map i'm just really good at killing things I haven't taken that away from you. <laughs> I'm just gonna turn to Alpha. So, I mean, if we, like, hurt him just a little too much, you okay to potentially, like, just bring him back? Yes, of course. Oh, good. You guys can take him down, and then I can just, like, pump him right back up. And you can see Dordak smile. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Do you think capturing a soul in a trinket is considered alive? Well, that depends. Can you talk with the souls? Once. Once is maybe the scariest answer. <laughs> <laughs> they can answer one question and then their soul goes away. Okay, no, I think we'll have to keep him. I think they probably want more than just to ask him one question. So, <sighs> unfortunately, okay. I'm sorry. I'm so no, it's, sorry, it's, Badger. It's fine. It's fine. Let, let, let's, kill, let's kill the dog thing. Before we run off and kill things, I would I would like to help my team. So I'm going to look at my any buff spells that I have potentially to help. Which one is I could bless us all before we do anything. Okay. Would you all gather around and we can join our hands in prayer? I'll bless you all. <sighs> okay. I wanted to go okay. and kill, but okay. Okay, this is going back to Badger. Before we engage, because some of my things won't last very long, what is our plan other than just kill a dog? Which I'm fine with. That's a good direction. So we see the dog, we see the halfling. Mm -hmm. What else do we see? You see the two Warforged flanking the halfling and the, the dog-type creature. You see the large one-armed mechanical colossi, colossus, at this point in time striding away from you. And you see up on the shoulder just next to the head of this thing stood a humanoid form with what looks like wings almost splayed out from the back. But they are very much mechanical. I think, honestly, like either we need to stealth our way up and only take on the two Warforged and, and him, or we just need to slowly take things out as quietly as possible so we can get in without getting noticed. We need to avoid that thing's attention. I'm not usually good at being quiet, so... Did great earlier. I know, right? I'm surprised myself. Do we, like, like, the one that you surround him first? No, do you, like, show me tactics before? I think that is a smart one. And, but otherwise, I'm up for whatever. The concern is if we go straight for him, they're all going to come after us as we're trying to leave. Fair. I mean, I can go and distract them while, you know, you sneak behind and, you know, go into stabby stab. I'm up for suggestions. Yeah, I think I like the idea of, I mean, I'm not great at planning, but I think I also don't want like five things or however many are out here all on us at once. So maybe the best plan of attack is is to do what Badger says and and try and you know get one's attention. Unless 
again, like, I mean, Dordak, how many do you think you could take on? I mean, all of them, but, oh. you know, I, you know, I don't want to boast myself too much. I, I can leave some, but I can, you know, as many as needed, really. Oh, I have this little Andy dandy bag that can also distract them. Uh, Adam? Yes. So we agreed that I have a bag of tricks with me, right? We did. There's a few options for that. Which one do I have? There's like the gray rust and tan and whatever bullshit I can pull out of that is different. Surprise me. I may regret saying that in the future. Right. Surprise well, me. I'm going to roll. I'm that's flavorful to you. I'm going to roll a d6. Just, and I want to. And just, it will be a bag of tricks, the tan one. So. Okay. So while you scan through that, as you're looking through your, your bag of tricks, trying to suss things out and see what you've got, and the rest of you are surveying the scene, every step the Colossi takes, the ground is vibrating underneath you. And it is slowly moving. Go on. I, I can surprise them with, like, by eating a tiger at them. That would fuck them up, right? Oh, yeah. Ooh, a tiger. I love Give it. That. that would be fantastic. <laughs> I was just thinking pocket sand, but you got like bag tiger. <laughs> oh yeah, I have a magical bag with it. Yeah, I can just randomly pull a tiger out of it. So I can what size it. is a tiger? Is it medium or is it large? I think it is a medium creature. <laughs> I just so funny. We know this is a one shot. We're being mm -hmm. so cautious. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes it real. Because it's not supposed to be a one shot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> In theory, uh, tigers are large. I, I'm being cautious. I'm about to eat a tiger. That's not all that cautious. It's got a point. I am a fan. Tigers are powerful, strong, and beautiful. And this will be a sacrifice that will be most glorious. So. I love D&D because getting to say the phrase tigers are large means a different thing in this game. And it's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most obvious fact in the world, except in D&D knowledge. Fair. Mm. So what's the plan? And then we will act upon the plan. Just so I can clarify the plan. <laughs> I believe the plan was, quote, eating a tiger, which I never thought I would say, and then slowly taking out the guys up on top while the other guys are distracted. Yeah. Yep. Tiger yep. distraction. Make so tiger distraction. All right. Since you're throwing it, let's have dexterity. Is it dexterity or just like pure strength? Or... Ew. Because you're not, are you pulling out a physical tiger and eating that, or is it something that becomes a tiger? It becomes a tiger. It becomes a tiger, yeah. It becomes a tiger, so it's it's like D&D &D meets Pocket Monsters. Yeah. Other small brands of Pocket Monsters are available. Um, so it, it would be dexterity? Yeah. All right. Somewhere in the ballpark. Okay, well, it's not too bad. Uh, straight dexterity is 15. 15. So we'll say it can land anywhere within 5-10 feet behind them. If you'd rolled high, you could have put it anywhere around them, but 15 lets you pick in and around behind that group. Alright, just like right behind them. So as it will spring in full tiger form, it will, well, hopefully surprise them enough to distract them. I think that would work. I mean, I know I would be surprised as fuck with a tiger just pop behind me. So, this... Item is removed by you, Dordek, from your tan bag. Yeeted, to use that particular uh, verbiage. And as it goes through the air, you see it lands. All four paws and the tail dig in and flare out. 
the heckles are up. It gives out an almighty roar. There is clear fear on the halfling and this smaller dog-like animal's faces, inverted commas. The warforged either side look less fearful, but are definitely turning their attention towards it. Unless any of the other three are doing anything in this moment, we will roll for initiative. Before we go into initiative, I would like to bless everybody. So it just looks like, like as a tiger is like being thrown, I take this time to bow my head and I don't want it to be glowy because I don't want to draw attention. So you just feel it. You feel blessed. And you feel So basically, whenever you make an attack roll or saving throw before you guys can roll a d4 and add that to your attack or saving throw. It, it lasts for a minute. Uh, has it been 10 minutes? Since when? Since I my astral self. I assume so? Yes. Yes, it has. All right, been. so I'm going to definitely pop the astral self stuff again then and just have that ready. Okay. That's up to that 10 minutes that it lasted. Okay. Astral arms. 10 minutes of astral. It's really, real good if combat lasts 10 minutes. Was it ever in D&D? I swear. I, that's 600 rounds. I would I would rather that's... just lay down and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So while Furball turns into Big Furball, lands, digs, roars, as that is in motion, you feel the comforting magic of bless from just inside your veil of mist where you stand. I would like you all to roll initiative, please. That is a 16 for me. 13. 14. 15. Okay, nice and close together. 13, 14, 15, 16. There we go. Ah, interesting. All right, as your tiger lands and you feel blessed. Oh, should I roll separately for the tiger? Actually, I can mm. just command it for, as my bonus action. So it's... There you go. It's, it's encompassed on your turn. Yeah. The humanoid with the, the bladed wings stood upon the warforged sees this and hears because it's a tiger it's not exactly quiet even over the the sound and the shock waves of the colossi moving sees the tiger appear and it begins to scan the area so it's going to do a perception check and is distracted by this tiger first and foremost not picking you out just behind the veil but begins to descend from its lofty position it's not going to get all the way down but it, you see it making its way down this huge form stopping probably about hip height another 20 or so feet off of the floor weapon in hand it's going to call out to the two warforged ahead of it and it's going to say Optrex, magnetron deal with the distraction and it's going to end its turn there the first warforged He's going to spin on it. He'll acknowledge the instruction. He's going to try and hit the tiger. I don't know if you got the tiger stats ready. Uh, yes, I do. going to try and stab it with its arm blades. A bit grim, but that's what it's going to do. For an 18. Uh, will hit. Yeah, it's 18 to 12. Okay. For six points of slashing damage on the first one. Seeing it drawing blood, it rolls a natural 20. That's impressive. So it rolls a crit. A crit for players... I'm going to use the NDB answer, it will do it for me. For, for you guys, when you get a crit, it's maximum damage on your first dice, and then roll the second set, and then add your modifiers, because no one wants snake eyes on a crit. It kind of robs you of, of being awesome. Um, anybody got any questions on that? Another 10 points of piercing damage, as you can see the blade that extends out from the forearm of this Warforged, dig down deep into the shoulder portion of this. Next, the... Colossus begins to turn 
and rotate. The ground shakes violently all around. And, and it is going to hold an action. That's what it's going to do until it receives further instructions. I do need each of you, now that you can see this thing clearly and you can see its full form, I need you to do me a wisdom saving throw to avoid being frightened by this thing. 13. 25. 23. I actually rolled decent, but I have minus one, so it's an 18. Going rules as written, you've all failed. So you're all frightened by this huge colossi as it stomps and maneuvers itself on the battlefield. With a 25? Mm-hmm. Wow. I was really worried I was going to be the only one afraid. This is somehow better and worse. Yeah, what does a fear do for us? I can't remember it in D&D. Frightened creature has disadvantage on ability checks and attack rolls while the source of its fear is within line of sight. The creature can't move willingly closer to the source of fear. So there's ways and means to get around it, almost literally, and can deal with the situation, but you basically just can't be running at its feet because you are scared of this towering thing that has ripped your sky coach apart. And now you can see it in its full one-armed mechanical majesty. You are frightened by it. Yordak, a cold shiver has run down your spine. However, there's a tiger out across the way in your quarry, your bounty, beyond. All right, so on your little map, there's like three little tokens. So there is the Warforged, the doggy, and the bounty. Mm, yep. All right. Well, I mean, that's a bit terrifying there. So, but you know, I have a job to do. And I'm assuming that we were clever enough to like untie itself before, right? You tell me. Because otherwise, wherever I'm going, you're coming with me. I would have let go of it. <laughs> yeah, let go. Were you clever enough? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna just go into a rage. What's the distance between me and my bounty? Is there like a way for me to just essentially directly go towards him? I have a 40 foot movement, so. You can get two thirds of the way there. They are probably between 60, 70 feet away. Yeah, I'm just gonna just straight up dash towards him and just go to his face. Are you dashing in behind or are you gonna dash through so you can uh, essentially true and go on the other side with my tiger. Okay. And that's for me of my turn. And if I don't give my tiger order, it will just do as, you know, it, it seems appropriate. Which I'm assuming in this case is going to fight against the, the Warforge, which just like stabbed it. Okay. So it will take swipes at it. So yeah, I think it only has one attack. For a claw will be 23. Yeah, definitely hits. Go, go, pocket tiger. <laughs> and that is to it is going to be a 10 slashing damage. Ooh, nice. Ask what big tiger is doing, what tiger do in an attack. You hear metal and wood being scraped and ripped as your tiger tears into the, uh, the warforged physical form. Are you doing anything else? No, I'm just like looking down the Evelyn. Hello there. And. It could be fun. It could be. Fortune, you are next. I think I might use Stillness of Mind to clear my frightened condition. Cool. I think I just sort of like size it up and like take a deep breath and just sort of assume like, you know, a monk fighting stance. And uh, yeah, I have cleared that frightened. I still have a bonus action and some movement. And I'm trying to see if there's anything 
particularly fascinating that I could, uh, that I should mess around with. Fascinating. Um, hey, boss, anything particular you want me to try? You do you. Good. Just have fun. Thanks. <laughs> Alrighty, so, I do have a question real quick. Yeah. Where's our bounty at on this map? Between the, the Tiger, the Minotaur, and the Warforge, the Halfling mini there. Hmm. I might go help out with, help the tiger with that. There's, there's a lot of people over there. Yeah, I might go help the tiger out then. I, I move fast, so if I need to cut and run, I can. And I make my way over there. I have 55 uh, movement speed. Yes, you do. Yes. And I, am I within like 10 feet of like the displacer beast? Or is that the tiger? That's technically the tiger, but it was the best okay. mini I had that, that fit the, That's the fair. physical okay. profile. Then, if I'm within 10 feet of anyone who I can punch, I'd like to use a bonus action to punch. I've moved you. You're, you're able to, to, to move within 10 feet of... Only just, though, 10 feet okay. of Nesta, the halfling you have been chasing for so long. Alrighty. So, yep, I throw one punch. Let's do one attack roll and see what we get. That's a dirty 20 to hit. That definitely hits. Alrighty. Some D8s plus five then. Oh my. Oh, terrible. That's seven. I got, I rolled two ones. Alrighty. So I did seven force damage. I mean, he looks pretty rough. He's not a combatant. He's more guile than physical prowess, should we say. Fair. All of my punches so... are non-lethal. Let me say that after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he looks punch drunk already. Uh, that was just good. one. Are you doing anything else? I think I'm good. All right. Your name escaped. Badger, that's it. Uh, Badger, your Minotaur friend has stormed over there having thrown a tiger. Your Janassi cohort has moved across and landed. You could hear a solid punch. You, however, are still quaking in your tiny boots as it stands. I am going... Is there somewhere to hide nearby? You can probably make it to the, the cover of the rocks just further down. I move to the cover of the rocks and hide behind the rocks. Um, that is a 29 to hide. Alright. You are well hidden. I'm going to attack. I have disadvantage on attacks against the big guy, right? You do. Okay, I'm going to attack the guy on top of him. Alright. I pull out my short bow. And that will be a 26 to hit. That definitely hits. Okay. So that will be 8 piercing damage. And then 26 sneak attack damage. And I will use my Whales of the Grave. Because I don't know it doesn't affect the big guy to do 46 necrotic damage to the big guy. Because he's within 30 feet of the first creature. All right. And necrotic arms begin. Yeah, I don't know if this is like technically magic or not because it's a trait that I have because of my class, but. I'm saying it is. Okay. It has to manifest itself somehow. So, for the argument of the game in this situation, I would say that there has. I send ghosts at it as they I... screech and try to distract him. And yeah, I think that's all I can do. I get one action. I did my bonus action. I did my attack. So yeah, that's my turn as I duck behind the rocks again. 
All right. What is he going to do? Do something, but he's not. So that ends your turn, correct? Yeah, yes, that ends my turn. Sorry for the abrupt ending. We are now going to jump into the closing statements, and then we are going to get back into this again in two weeks. So stay tuned for that episode and see what happens to the marshals. Let's have everybody or tell us where they can find you. Because thanks for being part of our prologue for our new show. First, let's start with Adam, our DM. Thank you. I'm Adam Powell. You can find me as the DM, GM, and interview of Snyder's Return, a tabletop roleplay interview and actual play podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Return Snyder. I'm the Greater Freaky. You can primarily find me on the Greater Restoration channel, which is at the underscore gr underscore crew on Twitch, and I also handle the Twitter. Uh, so that you may find me when it comes to your music stuff at Raven's Call Production, but that's primarily on SoundCloud. So yeah, we might need some songs. Hey, anytime. Dare. Hi, I'm Dare. You can find most things I do on Twitter or TikTok at nbdare. That is e n b y d a r e. The fifteenth of every month. I am releasing a podcast about the circle with the ever lovely Banana Chan of Banana Chan Games. So check that out if you like hearing about trash reality TV done by, talked by tabletop people. Also, your TikTok is wholesome as fuck. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I'm, it's it's very pure. I really enjoy it. I don't like TikTok, and I'm just like I could keep watching these. <laughs> it's it's weird. It's a it's a weird platform, and I try to be a shining beacon in that garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and finally amber yes i'm amber you can find me mostly on twitter at rocket orca i am the co-owner of the geek Spective podcast network where right now a lot of my effort and energy is going into tabletop babble which is a interview slash review show talking with people in the space so yeah that's where you can find me also check out rocket orca underscore art oh yeah and all my art because i do lots of art trying to get into that freelance art and layout world goodbye all the art well thank you again for joining please enjoy this advertisement for the morning blues to give you a sneak peek of what you're going to hear in a month Welcome to Eberron. A land we fought so desperately for. Now a land torn and scarred by war. Where our paths can never leave us, but we forge a new path. Where opportunities are everywhere, yeah, for those of the guy to take them. Where we find a new family while hunting down monsters. This is the Morning Blues. A D&D 5e actual play game released every other Thursday on Beholder to No One. Join our DM Adam as he runs Virik, Jody, Rem, and Mika through their bounties and exploration.